first I met with a guy and we were just talking about the Christian life and sort of how hard it is sometimes and how do you keep going as a Christian and he said to me, what, what helps you just keep going? And I thought, this sounds really, really, really cheesy. Um, but the bottom line is I just love Jesus. And, you know, I'm just so in love with Jesus and the more I find out about Jesus, the more I love him and so that helps me to keep going as a Christian. And it's not rocket science, but actually the more you do focus on Jesus and love Jesus, the more the easier it is really just to keep going and plodding as a Christian um, and growing as a Christian. The second group I met was a group of ministers on a Thursday afternoon. And uh, it wasn't the most exciting meeting. Um, but I have to say that a lot of them were just grumbling and moaning about church. And I sat there and I thought... God is so good because I love church um, and I love the people that God's brought to this church and yeah there's times it's hard there's times it's difficult and there's times when people are a pain and sometimes there's a struggle but you know the people here on the whole it's just fantastic that we gather together and we're just so different and I love it Saturday night Sunday morning Sunday night bring it on sort of Wednesday night I do church every day because I just love getting together with people just to look at the Bible and to sing God's praises and just to help us in the midst of this crazy world just keep our eyes fixed on what's important that's our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. So it's a privilege to, to teach the Scriptures week in, week out. We're working our way through Ephesians so please grab your Bibles again. Um, you've also got a bulletin I think so you can take some sermon notes if you want. And tonight we're looking at Ephesians 5 just these six, seven verses, uh, 15 to 21 on page 829. Page 829. I'm going to read them again. The Apostle Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore don't be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let me pray. Uh, Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the men and women that you gather here. Uh, thank you, Father, for the scriptures. Thank you that we can just meet in this building in complete freedom, that we don't face the, the threats that uh, we heard about tonight. Uh, Lord, we pray that your spirit would move powerfully tonight. Uh, we plead with you that the words that I speak would be uh, spirit-inspired words that would penetrate our hearts deeply. Uh, Lord, we love you and we long to know you better. And so I pray for a powerful work of your word and spirit tonight. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, we take care. We take care over things that are important to us, the things that matter to us, don't we? If something is really important to you, you take care of it, you, you spend time over it. Let me give you some examples. If you're choosing uh, a new car, it matters, and so you take time... If you're like me, you just look at the colour and look at the outside. But so, some people look at the inside and whether it works and how many cylinders it's got, all that kind of stuff. You take care over those things because it's important to you. 
if you've got kids, you're looking for a new school, you don't just send to any school, you actually investigate. What are the teachers like? What's the curriculum like? What are the examiners look like? You take care of those things, it matters to you. If you're about to, I don't know, redecorate your house, you don't just go to the first shop and grab the first things and chuck it into the living room and say, that'll do. You sit down and you plan and you get your colour schemes and you get your interior designers in here, you think about the furniture and all that kind of stuff, because it matters to you. It's your home, it's important. Things that matter to us, things that are important to us, we take time over. Let me ask you a hard question. Do you take time over your, your Christian life? Does it matter to you how you walk with your Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, if you claim to, to follow Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim that you've trusted in his death and resurrection, does it matter to you how you live? Does it matter to you the words that come out of your mouth? And Does it matter to you the, the way that you spend your money? Does it matter to you the way you spend your time? Does it matter to you who you spend your time with? The Bible says, take care over the way that you live. The Bible describes the Christian life as a walk. It's that step by step, one step after another, plod by plod, walk from the day that you accept Jesus until the day he takes you home. I reckon that's the problem with most of us, is that we, we'd love to see the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 30 years, know what's going to happen to us because then our life will be easy but God doesn't tell us. He just says, next step, next step, next step, next step, will you keep trusting me? Will you keep loving me? And throughout Ephesians he said to us, it matters how you live, it matters how you walk. So look at chapter 4 verse 1. I urge you to, to walk a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Uh, down in verse uh, 17, 4.17 I tell you this, insistent in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Uh, down to 5 verse 1 Be imitators of God therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk a life of love. Uh, four, sorry, 5 verse 8 You were once darkness, and now you are light. So walk as children of light, live as children of light or the verses we're looking at tonight, 5 verse 15, be very careful then how you walk. Be very careful, take attention, look closely at it, don't be slack, think about it, plan it, be very, very careful how you live as a Christian. Isn't that what we teach our kids? You've got a kid, a young child, and you're walking by a busy road, and you say, be careful, it's dangerous here. And you grab hold of them. And Paul is kind of saying, look, you are so precious to me, and I do love you, but you've got a responsibility as well to take care. To take care about the way that you live as a... This whole passage is um, shaped around three not-buts. Verse 15, not as unwise, but as wise. Uh, Verse 17, not foolish, but understanding the Lord's will. And verse 18, not drunk on wine, but filled with the Spirit. We're looking at the two headings tonight. First of all, be careful how you live. 
verse 15, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. What does it mean to be unwise? What does it mean to, to live as an unwise person? Paul's told us already, back in chapter 4, verse 17. He says, those who don't know Christ, they are futile in their thinking. They're not wise. But you are wise. Not, he's not saying you're intelligent. He says that God has revealed to you his wisdom. Uh, chapter 1, verse 10, he's lavished you with all wisdom. And he says that he's told you what his will is to actually bring everything under the headship of Christ. If you have looked at Christ, if you've looked at the cross, if you've understood his death, if you've understood his resurrection, if you've understood the scriptures, and you know that Christ is going to return, and one day God's going to bring the whole world under the headship of Christ, then you are wise. He's given you that wisdom. And he says, if you know that, then why are you living as though you, you don't know it? If you know that there is a creator, <coughs> excuse me, and if you know that, that, that Jesus Christ and his death on the cross is the only way to be saved, and if you know that Christ is coming back, and if you know that all people who don't know Christ are not going to be there for eternity, if you know that, you are wise. So why do you live your life as though you're not? He says, stop living as unwise people, but live as wise people. A couple of years ago, I drove to Canberra. I drove to Canberra quite a lot. And I was leaving my house, switched on, um, I don't know what station it was, switched on the radio, and, and they said that there was, there'd been a crash in the M5 tunnel. Okay, here's a question for you. Why did they build the M5 tunnel with just two lanes? It's the most stupid thing. Anyway, beside the point. They said to me, there's a crash in the M5 tunnel, there's massive delays. And I thought, oh yeah, that's probably a few hours ago. I'll just risk it anyway. And I left my house and I drove down the ED and I hit the M5, M5 tunnel. No, I didn't hit the M5 tunnel. Way back before the M5 tunnel, I just sat there in traffic. And it must have been, what, 45 minutes to an hour before I saw the M5 tunnel. And I sat there and I was fuming. I was thinking, this is stupid. What a waste of my time. And I thought, no, no, Paul, you're stupid. Because you knew there was an accident. You've been told that. But you chose to ignore it. And God is kind of saying to the Christians in Ephesus and to us, I've told you everything you need to know. I've told you that Jesus is my Messiah. I've told you that I'm coming back. I've told you to live for me. So, so why are you living as though you don't know it? Don't whinge and don't moan and don't say this life is stupid because you know, I've told you. Be very careful if you know those facts. Make sure it changes your life. And then he says in verse 16, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The language of verse 16, make the most of every opportunity, it's kind of like the language of the, of the bargain hunters in the sales. He's saying, the time to grab it is short, so make sure you grab it whilst you can. Make the most opportunity. It's a bit like, you know, the Maya sale. I went last year, Christmas sale, New Year's sale, and I saw this shirt and I thought, yep, yeah, quite like that, but I'll go and check out some other shirts first and I'll come back to it. It was a bargain, it was half price, 
came back 10 minutes later, he'd gone. And Paul is kind of saying, it's stupid. When you see the opportunity, grab it. Because it might not be there in 5 minutes time or 10 minutes time. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live in a society and a time where people are, are rejecting Christ, they're living their own way, they're living sinful lives and debauched lives without Jesus Christ. The days that we live in are evil days. And the Bible tells us they will get worse and worse and worse until Jesus returns. And so he's saying, on the days that God's given you in this time between the resurrection and the return of Christ, make the most of every opportunity. Grab it. What's that going to look like? What's it going to look like if you know that Christ is going to return, if you know that Jesus is your Savior, what's it going to look like to make the most of every opportunity? This is what it's going to look like. When you're sitting at your desk and someone says to you, what are you doing tonight? You're going to grab the opportunity and you're going to say, I'm going to Bible study. Or you're going to grab the opportunity and say, <coughs> I'm going to go to Bible study tonight and to learn more about Jesus. When you're sitting at a dinner party with your family and with your friends and you're talking about the stock market crashes, or you're talking about the weather, you're talking about your holidays, you're going to be sitting there, you're going to be praying, Lord, Lord, give me an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And then you're going to grab it. When you're at a wedding, as I was this afternoon, and you're talking with somebody, and you're going to grab the opportunity and say, wasn't it a great wedding today because Christ was central in that, in that wedding? See, we talk about time all the time, don't we? We talk about uh, filling time. We're good at filling time. We're good at filling time with doing stuff. Or we talk about wasting time. Wasting time watching the TV or playing video games or just having endless cups of coffee. And Paul is saying, don't fill your time, don't waste your time, use your time. Use your time wisely because the days are short. Be very careful how you live, he says. Don't live as a stupid person who doesn't know that Christ is coming back. Live as a wise person and grab it while you can. Secondly, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Or literally, keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's a continuous verse there. The ongoing, continual being filled with the Spirit. Let me just clarify something here. If you put your trust in Christ, if you've said Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Saviour, the Bible assures you that the Spirit indwells you. He has taken up residence in you. You do have the Spirit. And we've seen in Ephesians already that if you've got the Spirit, it's kind of like a, a, a down payment, a, a foretaste of heaven. It's the Spirit who unites us. It's the Spirit. He's the one who assures us. He's the one who transforms us. If you're believing in Christ, you do have the Spirit. This verse is not saying that you need some super spiritual experience, some second blessing so you get the Spirit. You've got the Spirit if you believe in Jesus. So what does this verse mean to be filled with the Spirit? Let me tell you what it's not. 
some people look at this verse and says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And they can't say, look, they're both liquids. And it's kind of like you've got this, this glass which is filled, and when you become a Christian, you, you're filled to the brim with the Spirit. And you go about life and you spill a bit, and you, you need, need to top it up again. So you, so you go to this great ecstatic experience, you get topped up with the Spirit, and you'll fill again, and then you spill some more, and then you fill again. That's not what he's saying. And the Spirit's not a liquid. The Spirit's a person. He says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, the thing is about the contrast here. Verse 18, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. So, if you allow wine to permeate you, if you allow spirits and beers and, and alcohol to permeate you, you get drunk. What happens when you're drunk? You tell me, what happens when, you, when you're drunk? Fall over? Yeah, you lose control? Yeah. You say things which are stupid that you otherwise wouldn't. You lose control of your mind. You lose control of your, of your emotions and your body. You say, don't be like that. Uh, don't be out of control. But instead be filled with the Spirit. So you're completely in control. Your mind's in control and your body's in control and you're very careful about how you walk. Uh, the word used for uh, getting drunk is the word which is actually... Uh, like a, a liquid which soaks everything. I've used this example before. It's like when, I'm sure you wouldn't do this, but it's like when you put a, a white swash in with something red and everything comes out pink. I'm sure you've never done it. And you go to, the, you go to Woolies and you buy what's they call colour run things. And you stick this powder in this bucket of water and you stick the, the shirt in the bucket of water and you're supposed to make sure the whole shirt is soaked in the water and in this powder and what happens is magically it turns sort of white again. But if you've got part of the shirt that's not actually in the water and not soaked in the water, that bit is still pink. And that's the clue here. He's saying to be filled with the Spirit. Listen very, very carefully. To be filled with the Spirit is not that you have more of the Spirit but the Spirit has more of you. How can you have any more of the Spirit? He's a person. You either have him or you don't have him. But to be filled with the Spirit means that you allow him to take over every part of your life. That every part of your mind and your thoughts and your actions you allow to be soaked in the water if you want. You allow him to permeate every part of you so no part of you is sticking out of the bucket saying, I don't want to be transformed. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It was R.A. Toy who said, if you think of the, the Spirit as a force, uh, then you'll want more of it. But if you think of the Spirit as a person, you'll want Him to have more of you. You'll want Him to have more of you. I'm challenging that as a church that we should be longing and craving daily to be filled with the Spirit. It means waking up every day and saying, Lord, Lord, I want you to have every part of me today. Uh, I'm not going to withhold anything from you today. 
I'm not going to withhold from you uh, my, my, my thought life today. That's going to be completely controlled by the Spirit and want to be pure for you. Lord, I want you to have my, my actions today and my hands today and I want them to be used by you today. I'm not going to withhold anything from you today, Lord. And you know that, that air of my life that I really want to cling on to for myself? Whether it's uh, that relationship that I know is wrong, but I don't want you to go there, God, so I, I just pretend that you don't know about it. Or, or whether it's our money and we think, Lord, you know all the savings that I've got and you, you know that I'm not giving it to you, but I'm not going to go there today, Lord. You say, no, no, Spirit, I want you to have that. I want you to transform that. And no part of my life is going to be withheld from you. I'll give you another example. If you invite a, a friend to your house, say you invite a friend to your house to stay for a few days, and, and they're standing at the door, and you've got a choice then, haven't you? You open the door and you say, welcome, come into my house. That's kind of like when you become a Christian. Uh, you open the door and Jesus comes and the Spirit lives in you. You say, welcome. Now the person's in your house. But the question is, do they have access to every part of your house? Or do you just invite them into the, the hall in the living room? But you know, the bedroom, do- the bedroom door is closed and there's those cupboards that contain things that you're really ashamed of so you don't want them to go there. And there's that area which is so messy and so yucky and so dirty that you'd be ashamed of. So you don't want them to see that. And so they're kind of no-go areas. You haven't really welcomed that person to your house. Because there's still parts of your house, there's still parts of your life where they're not welcome. And that's what Paul is saying, to be filled with the Spirit. It's kind of saying, here I am, here's my life. You are welcome in every single nook and cranny. And yes, there's that drawer that I'm really ashamed of. But I want you to go there and to open it and to transform it. And yes, there's that corner of my life which is so yucky and if anybody knew that that was there, I would be so ashamed and so embarrassed. But but Lord, you know, so you're welcome. Take it and transform it. Be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to have every part of you. What would that look like? Paul tells us in verse 19 verse 18 be filled with the Spirit literally speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs singing and making music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ how, how do you spot the Christian who is filled with the Spirit they speak about God they sing and make music, they're thankful and they're willing to submit. They're the four marks of being filled with the Spirit. In verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. There's no real difference between psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. He's just kind of saying, if you allow the Spirit to have more of you, then your speech will be transformed. And instead of speaking about things which are just so worldly, and instead of spending your whole time talking about the fully or talking about idol, you'll find that your speech is actually talking about God's word. If you're allowing the Spirit to have more of you, you suddenly find that, that you want to talk to people about Jesus. And you're talking about the Bible. And the things that come out of your mouth, they're edifying. And they're beautiful. And they're God-honouring. 
and then you sing verse 20 verse 19 you sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord that, that's kind of the the vertical you you don't have to be a Pavarotti you don't have to be whoever Wes Carr or Jessica Mowboy or anybody but you can sing and you can make music in your heart that's the thing that happens when you're a Christian when you allow the spirit to fill you you suddenly want to sing you're actually the best singer I don't know whether you've had that experience where you're walking to church and you want to sing or on a Monday morning you're in the shower and you're singing the hymns that you sang at church the night before that's the work of the Spirit living in you filling you you're speaking the word of God you're singing in your heart uh, please notice verse 19 uh, that verse 19 follows verse 18 he doesn't say sing and make music in your heart and then you'll be filled with the Spirit so many churches get that wrong so many churches say the more you sing the more the Spirit will come and Paul says exactly the opposite the more you allow the Spirit to have more of you the more that you want to sing that's the sign of a Spirit for a church is that we love singing because we're filled with the Spirit and we speak, we sing verse 20 we're thankful always giving thanks to God the Father for everything when do we give thanks? look at it, verse 20 when do we give thanks? always what do we give thanks for? everything who do we give thanks to? to Jesus it's a great verse, verse 20 whatever happens in life whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances if you're filled with the Spirit you turn it to thanks I think we are, I think I have to say this, Australians are better at grumbling than they are at being thankful it's so much easier to say oh Lord why has this happened and God I can't believe that you've allowed this to happen and, and this person they've really let me down and oh gosh my life is a mess and it's a failure and, and instead of stopping and looking and thinking and saying thank you Lord thank you God that that you've given me a house and a roof over my head thank you God that you've given me a church and thank you God that you've given me food and thank you God that you've given me peace in this society and not persecution and, and thank you God for the job that you've given me and thank you for the breath that you've given me and yes in this really hard situation thank you God that you've you've put me there and you've put your spirit in me and I don't know what you're going to do through it God but, but thank you God that's the sign that you're filled with the spirit that you don't grumble but you're thankful and the last sign that you're filled with the spirit is in verse 21 and we'll look at more of this now in two weeks time submit to one another out of reverence for Christ he's just saying there's an order to God's world there's order in all, all our relationships some of us are bosses, some of us are employees some of us are husbands, some are wives, some are parents, some are children there's order to all your relationships and if you are willing for the spirit to transform you then you will recognise that God given order and you will willingly submit 
Friends, as I look at my life and I look at the times where I've really said to God, Lord, there's no roadblocks to you. There's no no no-go areas for you. I want you to take me. I want you to transform me. I want you to have every part of me. When I do that, then yes, I read the Bible and suddenly I long to speak the word of God and there's joy in my heart and I end up singing and yeah, my grumbling is transformed to thankfulness and I look at the word and I say, yeah, there's order here and I'm willing to submit to that. And my prayer, my question for you really is, will you allow the Spirit to fill you? He lives in you. He will keep you. But you can either live the next 5, 10, 20 years on this planet plodding and struggling. Or you can say, Lord, here I am. Take me. Transform me. Use me. It matters how we live and we take care of the things that matter to us. Does your relationship with God matter this much? Or is God just a hobby? If it is, friends, be careful how you live. Be filled with the Spirit. And let's praise our Lord Jesus.